Sport on on SAFM. Well, let's welcome the latest Protea on SAFM. Peter Malan joins us on the line. Peter, good evening from us on SAFM. Congratulations on making your debut and thanks for speaking to us. Sure, Tavisi. Thanks. Thanks for having me. How do you describe the feeling of playing for the Proteas, Peter? Uh, it was amazing. It, it's obviously something I've I've dreamt of since I was a kid. And uh, like I said uh, earlier in the week, something I, at a stage probably didn't think was going to happen. Uh, but then when it did eventually happen, it was it was unbelievable. And for it to happen at, at Newlands as well was, was very special. Mm. And at the age of 30, were you still nervous on the field on the first day? You're just taking everything in your stride? No, no, I was very nervous. I mean, that shot I played in the first innings was was basically pure nerves. So, mm-hmm. no, it was, it was nerve-wracking because it's something you've waited for for so long and sort of dreamed about it and sort of thought about how it's going to be, but you never really know until until you're out there doing it. So, no, it was it was quite nerve-wracking. And then how do you describe that 84, a courageous 84, if we can describe it uh, like that there? How do you look back at that? Do you have mixed feelings? Yeah, well, not even mixed feelings. It's mostly mostly feelings of regret of us not being able to pull that off because that really would have been amazing, especially in the context of the series for us to still have been one up after they basically dominated us for most of the game. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, nine overs, looking back now, it's there's a lot mm. of what-ifs that sort of float around in your mind. Mm. And how is it, Peter, being in a changing change room with legends like Mark Boucher and, and Jacques Callis? It was amazing. I, I said to someone um, after the match, um, Graham Smith came in as well. Mm. So I was I was sat between Graham Smith, Mark Boucher, and Jock Ellis. It's you you couldn't make that stuff up even if you wanted to. So no, it was it's amazing just picking their brain, talking to them about the taste, how how things unfolded, how you handled situations, how you could have maybe handled it better. So it's amazing uh, just having them around because they've. They've done it all before, seen it all before, so it, it's amazing to learn from them. And obviously Jacques is the, Jacques Callis is the betting coach. What did he have to say about about your game there? Um, we sort of chat about he changed one or two things in the lead up to the test. Um, that a small few uh, technical things that he picked up mm. that that made a, a bit of a difference. I mean, obviously I've, I haven't played at that level before, and he he played there almost the whole lifetime, so it was amazing being able to to sort of lean on on his knowledge and experience and, and gain from that. Mm. Peter, you said that, um, I mean, you still had hope, even though you'd been playing domestic cricket for some time now, over 10,000 runs. Uh, what gave you hope that you could still uh, get into the national team? Um, I mean, cricket sort of, it's, I, I went straight into cricket right after school. So that was sort of the only thing I've ever really known since finishing school. So that's always been always been very one-track-minded in regard to I play cricket, that's what I do, and it's always been a dream to to reach the top, I think, of test cricket as, as the top level that you can reach. So, it, I mean, that's always been the dream, and I've had amazing support from from my family, my wife, uh, my mom and dad, my brothers, It's even the wider family. It's been amazing just the support and belief that they've had in me, even when sometimes maybe I didn't have it in myself. Hmm. Your, your coach at the Cobra Zeshul Prince posted after you were called up to the squad uh, before even the first test match saying that you deserve it you never gave up uh, despite losing your pro contract when you were in your 20s how do you look back at, at that time? 
Yeah, it was a tough time. I mean, it's, I, I definitely took a lot of that for granted, uh, getting a contract straight out of school. Maybe uh, things happened a bit too quick for me, and I didn't actually realize how much work was needed uh, to stay at that level and then progress even further. So I needed that, uh, probably needed that knock of losing my contract just to just to get me back on the right path and and really remind me because every time now you get to you get to somewhere you think you're comfortable and you remember that feeling of losing your contract and that just keeps pushing you to to keep improving and to to really want to want to keep getting better every day. Is it true that when you were playing semi-professional cricket, you would take your books to training? Were you, if it's true, were you doubting that you could make a career out of playing cricket? Were you just uh, trying to have a plan B? <laughs> That's the thing. I, I think if I had a plan B at that stage, because uh, I obviously went straight into cricket, I didn't study directly after school. I think yeah. if, I, if I did have a degree, I probably would have stopped playing, uh, quite honestly. So in that regard, not having an immediate plan B probably helped me it sort of forced me to to put all my energy and all my effort into making it back as a professional cricketer. So I think that definitely there was definitely doubt mm-hmm. uh, at a lot of those stages, but uh, luckily the hard work paid off. And if there's a youngster listening to us tonight, Peter Milan, what can they take from your journey and your story? Number one thing is definitely not to not to take any success uh, that comes your way for granted. To really always keep working, and then even even if you do fail, it's never the end of the road. So I read a quote where they said it, it's very difficult to beat someone who never gives up. So you can lose and you can fail, but if you keep on going and you you try every day to keep improving, then then I believe there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Your younger brother Yanaman got his got his call up be before you. I mean, how was the reaction from the family then when you got your call up now? No, I mean it's. As I said, we're a very supportive family. I mean, when he got his call up, it was the weekend of our middle brother's wedding as mm-hmm. well. So it was just an amazing, uh, amazing feeling to share that with the rest of the family and to to then be there with him when he when he actually received the call up. But I mean, everyone's been so supportive and, and just so happy for me, and it, it's it's really meant a lot to me to receive all that support. And talking about Yanuman, I mean, your opening partner at times at the Cobras there, he's really made people set up and take notice since he moved to the Cape. How far do you think he can go? I think the sky's the limit for him. He's always, I mean, even from a young age, he, people have always said he's probably the the most naturally talented out of the three of us. I mean, it's anyone who's sort of been around us has seen it coming for a while. So just the way he's improved uh, in the last couple of years, I mean, I wish... I wish I was as good as him when I'm 30. Never mind when I'm 20. When he's when he's 23 now, so it's it really is. He he works hard. He he's starting to really know his game, and and he's got his feet on the ground. So I really think the sky's the limit for him. There's also Andre, your other brother, and the three of you actually made history. Was it 2018 when you scored, or the year before when you scored first class centuries on the same day of the first match in that Seinfeld Cup? Um, it was, I think it was 2015-16, right? it's been a while ago, was, yeah. uh, when they were still both playing for Northwest. Yeah, so we, <laughs> I was playing for Western Province and they were playing for Northwest. And obviously they won because they were two and I was only one, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a fair <laughs> fight. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, we, when we went to club champs with Durbanville Cricket Club earlier in the year, he was player of the tournament at that particular 
national club championship tournament. So mm. he's a he's an excellent player in his own right as well. So it's always nice being able to play with them at at whatever teams we sort of come across each other. And and where does this love for cricket come from? Does it run in 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 the family? Yeah, I mean my dad, he was he played he played some good cricket in his time. Unfortunately, there were some uh, some factors that that cut his his cricketing career short. But I mean, he always supported us. Him and my mom. Uh, he videotaped us when we were at school. So he'd sit next to the ground with a video camera videotaping us. My mom would keep score. So we'd be able to see exactly how we played, how many balls we faced, how many boundaries we hit. And they mm. they treated us the same, whether we scored naught or 150. It was always whether, did you enjoy it? Did you give your best? And if we tick those two boxes, then then everything was good. Wow. For those who've just joined us, we're speaking to Protea's opening batsman, Peter Malan. If you want to weigh in, uh, you can call us 0891-104-207 or you can send us voice notes on WhatsApp on 061-4104-107. We've got a few questions here on Twitter, uh, Peter. Uh, somebody says, firstly, um, C says, I loved how you summarized your debut saying that it wasn't pressure, rather a privilege to get to bat against uh, James Anderson. Uh, pressure is at pro level where you get to end your sport. I mean, does that does that maturity come with age? That you didn't you didn't think that it was pressure, but you were just honoured to be there. Yeah, definitely. I think when when things happen when you're younger, you maybe don't have don't have the experience or sort of the perspective to to really know what it what it's all about. So obviously, I felt there's always pressure to perform, but like I said, that pressure is really a privilege, privilege being able to play on that platform in, in front of all those people at Newlands not a lot of people that get to do that so sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment you forget that but i definitely think age gives you that perspective just to take a step back and and realize how lucky you really are sandila on twitter says please ask peter Milan what is said on tim talks regarding the opening uh, innings or the opening partnership what is the game plan do you bet as long as you can do you set targets for yourselves <laughs> i think anytime you have to bat the plan is to bat for as long as you can um, but in terms of the opening partnership, yeah, we really just want to get the team off to a good start. I think we've struggled maybe in the past um, not being able to get the team off to a good start. But if you have a solid opening partnership, then that goes a long way to, to allowing the guys in the middle order to to really express themselves and, and move the game forward. Mm. And overall, as a team, Peter, what do you take from that second test? You did say it was disappointing that you didn't finish the job, but are there any positives that you can take? I think definitely. I think uh, one of the English commentators maybe said it that uh, any time you play a South African team in any sport, you expect a fight, and I think we did give them a fight. Um, they really had to earn their win. It helped them, I think, with the Barmy Army as well. It was almost <laughs> like an extra player on the field at one stage where they just thought, you start to lose some energy, pick up a wicket, and then the mm. crowd just got going again. So it's almost like playing in England. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely, I think we we really made them work for the win, and hopefully that stands us in good stead uh, going into the next two tests. Great stuff. Peter, we wish you all the best. Those of us who've been following domestic cricket know that you deserve your call up. You've been a prolific run scorer and uh, also, of course, captain of the Cape Cobras and well done on not giving up and getting this far and all the best for the rest of the series.
appreciate that very much. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Peter Milan, uh, Cape Cobra's opening batsman, Protea's opening batsman now, uh, just giving us some of his time talking about his debut at Newlands. Of course, the Test Series now moves to St. George's Park in a PE on a Thursday, expecting the band there to drown out that balmy army. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musiya on Twitter. Okay, we're still going to talk uh, cricket and uh, we are going to talk about the story of uh, cricketer Solongweni who was struck by that illness that I mentioned earlier on while playing club cricket in uh, Scotland and uh, we did see a video and of uh, uh, Ben Stokes visiting him in hospital. I think it was in December, just before those BBC awards there, where Ben Stokes paid him a visit. And I think it brought the story to a lot of people's attention. I actually saw it in the in the Eastern Cape newspaper, The Herald, back in July when he suffered uh, this uh, illness to Solongwini. But we believe that there is improvement. We believe that there is progress and he could be coming home soon. And we are joined on the line now by JP Van Veek, uh, Player Services Manager at Saka, the South African Cricketers Association, just to uh, give us more here. JP, good evening, and thank you very much for speaking to us here on SAFM. Good evening, Tabiso. Thank you for having me. It's a really heartbreaking story, this uh, 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 JP. I mean, I was devastated when I heard it. For those not familiar with the story, firstly, who is Solo Nguyeni, and where did he play before he went to Scotland? Solo Nguyeni is one of our members at Saka, and he's been a professional cricketer for approximately eight years. Um, he started, he was at the Under-19 World Cup, I believe, in 2012, mm-hmm. up-and-coming young player, and he's been plying his trade in the Eastern Cape uh, since then, playing for Border, Eastern Province, and last season, this, in fact, this current season was contracted to the Warriors franchise as a franchise player. So uh, it was looking up for him uh, at the time that this unfortunate incident happened. And it happened where he was playing club cricket in Scotland. Now, from what we've read, he just fell ill suddenly, complaining of a of flu or a fever. Uh, when did you guys as soccer find out, and how much can you tell us about this illness? Yeah, I got um, a call from Rob Humphreys, who's Solo's agent, on the 14th, um, sorry, I beg your pardon, on the 15th of July, to say uh, Solo had taken ill. And... Uh, according to him, Solo had been feeling ill with flu-like symptoms and didn't make much of it and was reluctant to get um, medical attention. Then after a while, not feeling better, he was persuaded to go get medical attention. And at that stage, it became apparent that it was more serious than um, first expected. And at that stage, he was admitted to Aberdeen uh, Royal Infirmary for testing, um, scans and the like in an attempt to find a diagnosis and to treat him. And and um, for for those not familiar with the illness, I'm not sure how much you can share with us. We did Google it. We did share at the top of the show what we found out about Guillain Barre or GBS as as they call it. How do you describe it? How has it affected him? I can't speak to medical side of things too much. Unfortunately, yeah. I had to Google it and look it up myself when it first happened. Yeah. But I do know the symptoms. Um, you know, the affected is from what I could tell his nervous system. Um, they had to put him into an induced coma. It affected his breathing. He had to have machines um, help him out, um, and it affected his movement. That he was, um, he, by all accounts, couldn't move um, much, mm. if, if any of his limbs at all, for a period of time. And that w- happened for about uh, two to three months, I think. Um, and then he started showing good progress from about September onwards, where he started to regain uh, some of l- the limb movements. Specifically, I think it was his right arm. 
from there, they took him off the ventilator system. Um, this was, of course, after they brought him out of the coma. Um, but, again, from what I can tell, good on by, you, you get a quick recovery um, uh, version and you get a, a slow recovery, and he seems to uh, be more in the latter, unfortunately, but more longer-term recovery process than um, than some other cases. And and what kind of support has he received? I mean, I mentioned the video of Ben Stokes that we saw on social media. Um, I believe his family has also been in Scotland. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, from the outset, his family, it was remarkable to just see from, from someone on the outside looking in. Um, they were very supportive of him. They were on top of it from day one. Uh, they were contacting various stakeholders uh, within the game uh, to see what can be done for Solo. And it must be said that it was heartwarming to see the cricket fraternity uh, across the spectrum mm. pull together and um, assist Solo in, in any way that people can. In particular, I think Rob Humphreys, his agent, has been a superstar in, in coordinating a lot of that and um, putting strings where he can. He's the one that got me involved. Um, I coordinated things from a South African perspective, liaising with his franchise side, who have also been excellent in dealing with this issue keeping his teammates up to speed, um, liaising with the family. And I think um, Aberdeenshire, the club on, on the other side in Scotland, has also been very, very good in raising awareness and uh, trying to get assistance for Solo from, from any quarters that, uh, that they could call on. You mentioned that he is your he is one of your members as a Saka, so uh, I would think obviously you feel that you've got a responsibility to assist here. What else are you then assisting with? Because I saw that you um, there was a report that you were helping with accommodation expenses for the family and also his contract. Yeah, that's right. So from our end, there were a couple of things that we could assist with. Um, first thing is that a player like Solo has a standard franchise contract that's negotiated by SACA under the MOU that we've got with Cricket South Africa and the franchises. Um, and that contract, the Warriors generously agreed to keep in place um, until the end of the season, which is end of April. Um, we also mm. looked at funding or subsidising at least together with Aberdeenshire um, the accommodation for the family for a number of months so that there will always be a family member in Aberdeen to uh, go and visit Solo and uh, check in on him. And then on the medical aid side of things, uh, we've got a relationship with Momentum Health who have been fantastic uh, over a number of years now. And through them, uh, he, he's got international cover as well. Um, mm. And uh, also a rehab benefit that we're busy applying for now. As soon as he lands in Joburg, we are hoping to have a rehab benefit of sorts activated for him through his medical aid. And then there are also things like trauma counselling um, that we offer for Solo in time, I guess, um, but also for his family. Who, if you go something through something like this, it can be a deeply traumatic experience for not just Solo, but for your family as well. So we extend that benefit to them. And then we've also got a trailing healthcare benefit you know, in the event that Solo does lose his contract. Um, there's a trailing benefit to help him just, um, you know, phase into uh, life after cricket. But our hope, of course, is that it's short-term and that he makes a comeback. Yeah. And then we've also got um, uh, permanent disability insurance, again, in the event that sort of um, doesn't come back as a franchise cricketer. There's insurance in place and it's like pays for that premium and we can uh, submit a claim on his behalf should it come to that. But we're all hoping and praying that 
you'll make a full recovery and, and return to the game. But it's it's also got to be said that a player like Solo has switched on um, and he's been preparing for life after cricket uh, for a number of years. He actually works, he had a part-time job at Investec and he'd been studying uh, through our Player Plus program. He's been on our bursary also mm. studying um, for his degree. So he, he's got other options, which is always pleasing to see when a player finds themselves in a situation such as this. That is really pleasing to hear uh, the work that you guys are doing as soccer. We always hear about these unions or these associations for players, uh, but there's always controversy about whether they're doing enough. But it seems like you've done a whole lot here as soccer JP. How is he at the moment? You're speaking about him landing in Johannesburg. Uh, I believe there's improvement in his condition. Is that correct? Is that why he could be coming home? Yeah, that's right. Um, my communication has largely been with his aunt and Peter and his, and his agent just to spare him an additional person to speak to, and I know um, locally it's still an issue for him. But from what I can tell and from what they've told me, is his, his condition has now improved to such an extent. Um, you know, he's had the trachea taken out uh, and the ventilators off, and he's in a sufficient, uh, sufficiently strong state at the moment where they can consider bringing him back to South Africa. And when we started this process, Rob and I spoke at the end of last year to say, look, how can we... Um, leverage this in, in such a way through a GoFundMe page to to get as much money, raise as much money as possible for him to get him across here because it's a very, very expensive exercise. Um, I think on today's exchange rate, it's over 1.5 million rand <laughs> to get him back here. And uh, yesterday, I know the figure was up to 3,000 pounds. And then today, a very, very generous donor um, offered to pay the balance up to 85,000 uh, pounds. Wow. So, we we very 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 chuffed that Solo can come home as soon as this weekend, and that he can be around all of his family and friends and teammates and cricket fraternity to support him through the rest of uh, the journey ahead. So you got a mysterious donation for about what eighty thousand pounds? Yep, that's right, about oh, eighty-two thousand wow. pounds, if I'm not mistaken. An anonymous donor phoned today, phoned the family directly, and said, um, "I'd like to help out." That is incredible. God bless you. Well done and to you, that, whoever you are. Up to that stage, 74 other people went online to to make various donations. Um, and every little bit counts in a situation like that. So mm. we really are truly thankful for everyone from all walks of life and the cricket fraternity who um, opened their wallets in an attempt to help Solo. So so all, so this money will be used for him to come back. Then, how, So how does he come back if, he, if he's in this condition? That's a good question. So there are medical um, repatriation services available. And um, so you'll have a medical team uh, going with him from Aberdeen to London and through to Joburg. Uh And this particular package also allows for a family member to travel with him and travel in in, in conditions. So he doesn't have to um, be in in coach class, so to speak. Uh, He's very well looked after on the way back as well. So he'll basically be on an ambulance while flying back. Yep, pretty much. And 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 when do you expect him to come back? Um, I think as soon as this weekend. Uh, things happen quite fast. They they got the money in today, so I think the family's keen to get him here as soon as possible. They mm. they're probably in in the middle of trying to make those arrangements and also liaise with the rehab centre in Joburg um, to get him across as soon as possible. And I know you touched on this earlier on then. Any idea if you'll be able to make a full recovery or not? Is it too early to tell? 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's early to tell. With these kind of things, it's it really is a day at a time and and just doing all, all that one can uh, each day, and then seeing how the process unfolds over time. We we're all very hopeful um, that he will make a full recovery. It will be a fantastic story. Plus, Rob Humphreys promised to uh, fly out to South Africa to see him bowl his first ball, so I'm quite keen to to see that happen as well. Oh wow, that is a great story, JP. Well done to all of you. Uh, let's hope he comes, uh, uh, he comes back uh, uh, solo and uh, he recovers. He's going to go into rehab, like you said, right? That's right. Okay, now we wish you all the best. We're going to follow this story and we're going to update the listeners. I see a lot of them are picking it up from, from the first time from us here. Uh, Noel Crowe says this is heartbreaking. I'm looking forward uh, to the update. So we'll be in touch, JP, and whatever update you have for us, uh, please let us know so we can update our listeners. Thank you, Tabiso. I will do that. Thank you very much, uh, JP uh, Van Vick, the, the player services manager at Saka, just talking to us about the situation of Usolo Ngweni. And um, I did mention that, that we did try and Google and find out what exactly is Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, he did mention it. Um, a JP and another a quick search says that it's a condition in which the immune system attacks the nerves and the condition may be triggered by an acute bacterial or viral infection. Uh, treatment can help, but this condition can't be cured that's what this one uh, search says it requires a medical diagnosis and um dr phil mahuma in midstream if you are listening to us please call us or if you, uh, any doctor that's listening to us please tell us more about uh, guillain barre syndrome here yeah, i'd never heard about it until um until i saw uh, from until I saw from uh, the video that was posted by Ben Stokes when he went to go visit Usolo and when I read about it in the Herald, but it's something that I'd never heard of uh, before. And uh, really, really, if you go, if you're on social media, go Google and find that video of Ben Stokes and Usolo Nguyen, and you'll be able to see how this uh, illness has affected him. But we live in hope, we live in prayer, and we do hope that he will make a full recovery.